Hello, thank you for tuning in to Bloom Fireside episode 4. Today you will witness a conversation I recently had with Zach Prince and Flory Marquez, the co-founders of BlockFi. BlockFi is a very different lending company compared to some of the others Bloom has partnered with, and so I'm really glad you'll be able to find out more about them. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future Bloom Fireside chats, please leave them in the comments or send them to team at bloom.co. And now, here's BlockFi. Welcome to Bloom Fireside number four. I'm here with Flory Marquez and Zach Prince from BlockFi. Flory, Zach, thank you so much for joining us for Bloom Fireside. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. That's great. Uh, so I'm going to start off with some questions we always ask because I think it's really good to get a, a foundation for where you guys are coming from on, on the, you know, where you're building the company from and, and the point of view you have. So let's start off with what is BlockFi? Yeah, so what we're aiming to be with BlockFi is a leading provider of debt and credit products in the crypto asset ecosystem globally. Uh, what we have today is a US dollar denominated loan backed by Bitcoin or Ether that's live in about 40 states in the US. So individuals and businesses that own Bitcoin or Ether and want to get some liquidity but don't want to sell their Bitcoin or Ether are able to uh, uh, get a loan from BlockFi based on the value of those crypto assets. So that that's actually huge. So I think last time I checked, it was probably some, 20 some states that you guys were covered in. So now you're in 40. So you're the vast majority of U.S. states, because if I recall correctly, there's 50. Um, where are, are which which few maybe key ones that you're trying to get into next? Uh, does BlockFi or, or is BlockFi not covered in or not supported in so far, right now? The biggest one that we're not supported in yet is California. Okay. There are a few others like uh, Michigan, um, Illinois, where we're close to getting our approval from the regulators, but we haven't sure. received it yet. Um, but a lot of the biggest, a lot of the other big states like New York, the tri-state area, Florida, Georgia, uh, we've been operating since uh, since January. Nice. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't realize the, the coverage had expanded so far. So 40 out of, out of 50 is great. Good job. Um, well, how did BlockFi get started? So BlockFi got started uh, after myself and Floria had been investing personally in the crypto asset ecosystem for a few years. And then a couple things happened at the beginning of last year that kind of led us to the light bulb moment for BlockFi. The first was that the crypto, crypto asset ecosystem crossed $100 billion in market cap, which we thought was a uh, pivotal moment in terms of mainstream adoption. And the second was that I had a personal experience with a bank that I was applying for a loan with, where I listed my crypto asset holdings on my financial statement, and the bank freaked out. Um, they, you know, Their compliance team accused me of being a money launderer or you know, involved with the drug trade. Um, and I thought, that, uh, you know, we come from the peer-to-peer -peer lending and marketplace lending ecosystem. And a lot of the things that uh, drove the success of platforms in that ecosystem were that it was lending that banks didn't want to do. Um, and it was doing it in a way that was more enabled by technology. And we basically thought that those exact same uh, themes would be true in the crypto asset sector, that there would be a need for debt and credit products and that banks weren't going to touch it anytime soon. 
uh, and given our background, we felt like it was um, something that we were well positioned to uh, create a company around. I'm glad you mentioned your background. We are going to get there in a second, but really money laundering. Like <laughs> Zach, clearly you are a big meth dealer. I mean, we can see that's very obvious. <laughs> you too, Flory. Not, not letting you off the hook here. Um, no, that's ridiculous. I mean, I've participated in a few token sales and, and, you know, not, not that I was in it for this reason, but like, I remember buying, I don't know, I, I put down like a hundred dollars Canadian, uh, uh, you know, in fiat and bought some tokens for a particular token sale. And a few weeks later, that was worth like $850. You know, I didn't do anything to make that happen. It just happened. So, you know, clearly I did, I, I came about that, that money in a fairly honest way, whether, you know, a certain uh, jurisdiction decided that was a security or not, or, uh, you know, whether that, that token sale should have been allowed or not, completely separate issue. Clearly, I was not doing anything um, unethical, at least. So that's, that's ridiculous. Oh, man. Well, yeah. I, if you want to name and shame that bank, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> but maybe you've already uh, done it elsewhere. I actually closed the, uh, the checking account that I have with them, so I don't mind at all. It's First United Bank. Okay. They're in uh, Oklahoma and South Texas. I'm originally from South Texas. Mm, okay. Um, what made it that much more interesting is that I, I had worked with them on kind of multiple loans prior to this one. So they knew who I was. They knew that I had, you know, a good job in the fintech sector in New York. Um, they just uh, they just weren't comfortable with, with Bitcoin and crypto assets. That's too bad. Sounds like somebody just needs to do a little bit more homework. Um, so, you know, you give us a little bit about how and, and uh, how BlockFi got started, but what was the main impetus? Like you just, was it just that you saw the opportunity and, and you knew how to, how to get it going or was there, um, you know, some sort of other desire to, to really get it going? I think, uh, I think we're both very entrepreneurial in nature. So the idea of, you know, starting something or, or being a part of, uh, something in its earliest stages of building is something that's very attractive to uh, Flory and I. Um, we certainly felt that there was a big uh, just business opportunity, um, given our belief in the crypto asset sector. But also, in longer term, this is really important. Um, we believe in the social impact that you know crypto assets generally can have, and then uh, in terms of our platform. Um, long term, longer term, being able to offer access to low cost credit in emerging and frontier markets where it hasn't been available before is something that gets us really excited. And the digital and global nature of crypto assets is really what makes this possible. So, from a lending perspective, there hasn't been an asset that you could underwrite for you know, people that live in South America versus people that live in the U.S. versus people that live somewhere else, where you could treat them all equally until crypto assets. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of figuring out the mechanics of how that lending will work and what denomination it will be in. Will it be a stable coin or a fiat currency? Uh, but we're, we're going down that path, um, and we think it could have a, a really positive impact on global credit availability and... Uh, and, and access to um, low-cost credit, which is uh, which is world-changing. So, excellent. And and I I will bring it up again later. But you did mention early on that that you're actually yeah, the the loans are backed by by crypto assets, cryptocurrencies. But you're providing U.S. dollar loans. So I definitely want to 
make sure we touch on that a little bit later. But first, I want to find out. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure the two of you are, are co-founders, correct? Is there anybody else involved at the very beginning? Oh, at the very beginning? No, it was just um, Zach and I. And something to add on to why we decided to found it. Um, Zach and I always joke around that if you were to draw a Venn diagram of the people that are bored enough to understand lending and risk-seeking enough to be claiming crypto, that world becomes really small. Um, so we saw a unique opportunity to apply our understanding of the regulatory framework and the complexities around lending in the U.S. to serve um, crypto investors in the U.S. Uh, so we just started it in the middle of last year, and since then our team has grown to around 10 people. Nice. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you added that on. Um, so, uh, Zach, you mentioned you had a, f a good fintech job before just starting BlockFi. Uh, Flory, I'm not sure what you were up to, but I would like to hear a little bit about what you guys have been doing up until now with your professional career. Maybe, you, you know, your education, if that had a part to play in it as well. What have you been doing up until founding BlockFi? Oh, yeah. So, uh, I went to Cornell and I actually studied pre-law. Um, I thought I wanted to become a lawyer, uh, but then every single successful lawyer that I've ever met has told me to not become a lawyer, so I hate this. Um, and instead, I went to work at a hedge fund for a few years in fixed income. And then um, after that, I worked at a marketplace lending company uh, serving commercial businesses in the US. And I was the head of portfolio management for a few years. And when that company got acquired by Goldman, um, I wasn't sure that I wanted to go the corporate route, so I started looking in my network and um, Zach and I knew each other for a few years and um, I saw his idea, or he told me about his idea to build BlockFi and I knew right away that this platform was exactly what I wanted to build because it takes the most interesting parts of marketplace lending and it gets rid of kind of like the bulkier um, things that are harder to build, such as building out like a credit underwriting platform. What's so great about lending against crypto, which Zach talked about a little bit before, is that it's priced 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we have instant access to liquidity, um, which makes it a really smooth process from both the customer and the investor side. And you, yeah. Zach? Yeah, for me, uh, prior to BlockFi, I've always been at uh, venture-backed technology companies. I was in the ad tech sector early on in my career at uh, one company, AdMeld, which was acquired by Google. And then I spent a little bit of time at Google, left Google with some of my colleagues, started another ad tech company um, that was sold about two years after we started it. And then I moved into FinTech about five years ago, specifically the lending side of FinTech. So. I ran sales and business development at a company called Orchard Platform, which was a broker-dealer, RIA, uh, ATS, and data provider in the online lending ecosystem. So we worked with all the largest lending platforms like Lending Club, SoFi, Prosper, OnDeck, et cetera, on one side of our market, and then also the institutional capital providers, um, credit funds, family offices, investment banks, uh, foundations, endowments, et cetera that were either buying the loans or lending to those platforms. Um, I was there from the C ground through the Series B and left Orchard and went to a consumer lender called Zibi uh, that did point of sale financing for 
um, large retail transactions. Uh, and while I was there, we grew really quickly. We raised $200 million in debt from a, from a leading credit fund and a series C of equity. Um, and then I started BlockFi. Nice. That's despite being Canadian, I've actually heard of almost every single one of those companies because I do, I've read TechCrunch a lot or, you know, uh, watched the, um, like shows on the Twit network or listen to Daily Tech News Show now. So I've heard of Lending Club and SoFi and things like that. And one thing I've always found is that the lending ecosystem in the US is far more innovative than it is in Canada. Like only very, very recently did we have the regulations to allow those sorts of companies to start up and, uh, and that they actually bother starting up. Um, a big one is called Mogo, and they're actually a UK firm <laughs> that brought their their tech and their you know and offices to Canada. I'm pretty sure. Um, so it's but it, that's really interesting that you've you know worked with a bunch of those different companies. That's cool. Yeah, so, so far I actually invested in BlockFi. Um, oh. so they're they're an equity investor and uh, potentially a partner um, of ours as well down the road. Cool. That that's good to know for people who who like the inside baseball side of things. Um, so we've already touched a little bit on this, but how, how is BlockFi's lending platform differentiating from others? Like we've, you know, there are other companies like ETHLEND and Everex will get there eventually. Uh, and, and, you know, SelfLender who, who's operating here a little bit. Um, what's, what's different about BlockFi? I think, um, I think the first thing, uh, for some of the names that you just mentioned, uh, and as a general filter in the crypto lending ecosystem is that we're touching fiat. So fiat, which means that, um, you know, we're subject to regulations. We have to be a bit more centralized than, than maybe some others as a result of needing to uh, touch those regulations. Um, and then within the fiat lending backed by crypto side of things, we try to uh, differentiate ourselves in a few areas. The first and most important from a potential borrower perspective is that we offer the best rates. So if you're, if you're you know, looking to borrow money, rate is obviously um, your, your primary consideration when you're comparing options. And uh, to our knowledge, we have the absolute best prices for the type of product that we offer. Um, that, uh, we want to have and believe that we do have today the best and easiest customer experience and the best customer service. So um, borrowing against your crypto is inherently a bit of a complex uh, transaction. Um, you're borrowing less than the value of your assets. You have to send those assets to some type of storage. Um, you have to understand the different tax considerations. And so people have a lot of questions and we're um, you know, very hands-on and available to uh, speak with customers throughout the consideration process, throughout the um, you know, account management process. And so, uh, Price, ease of use, flexibility of the product, and customer service is how we're uh, differentiating ourselves. I'd also add on to that um, our partnerships. For people that are looking to borrow, I would definitely advise to look into the, the longevity of the platform. Um, so we partner with Gemini, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, and our lead investor was Consensus. Um, so it's really important to highlight that. Cool. Um, when it comes to, like, obviously, you mentioned customer service, which I think is huge. I think we've all, well, many of us have had a bad experience with an exchange, particularly, regardless of, of how well established or, or you know, how well known they are. Like it, they've they've all provided very poor customer service at some point, and some of them still do. Um, 
how, does that change significantly significantly from state to state? I'm like we have slightly different uh, differing laws in, across the provinces here, but I think generally speaking, whether you need a loan in Saskatchewan or or Ontario or Nova Scotia, you can generally expect more or less the same thing. Is it significantly different between, you know, oh wow, well, let's let's use two states that, you, that you're operating in right now, New York and New Jersey, or New York and and uh, Georgia. No, it's the same. We offer we offer the same level of service, uh, regardless of where a client of ours is based. Okay, um, but and the rules are generally fairly similar between the states. Yeah, the rules are the same. I mean, we've uh, we've standardized our product in a way such that um, you know we have you know almost exact uniformity um, in terms of uh, the price and how things work in different states. The one thing where you might see some differences is just in the uh, the different types and wording of disclosures. So, for example, New Jersey might have slightly different language that they require lenders to use in a certain part of the contract uh, versus New York or another state. Uh, but in terms of the service and, and degree of support that our team is providing, uh, it'll be the same wherever you are. Okay. Yeah, that, I think you would find the same thing up here and, and probably almost certainly country to country as well. Um, I, we did have a, a community question come in, and so I, I wanted to ask you, I think it's a pretty good one. If someone wants credit at an affordable rate, which sounds like you guys are already excelling at, but they can't put the collateral down, will there be a way for them to get credit at some point with BlockFi? And he had a little example, you know, an example would be farmers in India. They are constantly borrowing money at extremely high interest rates, which leaves them nearly flat broke, of course, when you're trying to service that debt. Um, in his mind, and I, I know the person who sent this in operates a nonprofit, so I, I imagine this is a real-world example for him. Um, uh, he says they would be able to pay the monthly or weekly payments to a creditor, but of course they have to get out of debt first. So, are, are we looking at non-collateralized collateralized loans uh, at some point with BlockFi? <clears throat> it's not something that's uh, that's really on our priority list for now. Um, we are focused on uh, initially raising the capital and uh, growing um, our, you know, really meeting the demand that we've already seen uh, here in the U.S. As, as priority number one, and then priority number two, expanding with our, you know, collateralized loan product into different markets. Um, after that, would we would potentially consider moving into unsecured lending, but really um, the way that our system's being designed and the whole construct of the platform is oriented around this uh, crypto collateralized type of lending. So um, I think it's unlikely for us. Uh, that being said, um, we are also looking to support other types of lending platforms throughout the crypto ecosystem, uh, either as an investor um, or a lender or, or some type of partner. So that might be an area where we look to partner through an asset management product that we have and, and okay. providing some of the funds to back those types of lenders. But it would be unlikely that that would be something that uh, we're doing directly as a BlockFi loan. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's fair. I, I, I think, I, think I've, I know of another firm who, who they're actually targeting this sort of thing. So I'll, I'll get back to, to the person who sent this in. Um, not on the list of questions, but you know we've mentioned it a couple of times. Where do you see BlockFi probably expanding to first internationally, or, or like, do you actually have a roadmap of where you'd like to go first, and and roughly when? Sure. So uh, international expansion will, will come in two parts. Um, the first part of it will be 
uh, opening up our loan product to international corporations. Um, we will probably address uh, the majority of global markets for corporate borrowers uh, in the first half of next year. Um, and then addressing uh, consumer borrowing uh, will happen in slightly slower steps. Um, the markets that we'll be interested in will be markets that have a decent amount of crypto adoption and ideally um, a high cost of credit where we think there's the biggest opportunity to make a difference. So um, markets that we've uh, you know, mentioned previously in, in other conversations have been uh, Mexico, um, India, uh, and other parts of Latin America that are kind of top of mind for us. Mm -hmm. uh, the caveat there is that we, you know, we still need to add in um, the understanding of uh, regulatory considerations for those markets. Um, and that's kind of a, a moving target, at least right now. Um, but corporate borrowers will probably be open to first half of next year, and then we'll be announcing uh, retail markets that we support um, throughout 2019. Cool. Well, that, that'll be a good and another exciting year. That's great. Um, so talking about the, the actual partnership between Bloom and BlockFi a little bit, how is BlockFi going to be utilizing the Bloom protocol? And within the Bloom protocol, I mean Bloom ID, Bloom IQ, and of course, the Bloom score. We want to use it all. Uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> Can, can you expand on that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, for us, it's uh, you know we're using products similar to this in the in the traditional world um, already. So to the extent that uh, the efficiencies that we expect to be created um, are created with the Bloom product, uh, we'll we'll look to uh, to integrate them. Um, I think two things that are top of mind are uh, the Bloom ID. Um, in terms of being an aggregated source of truth where the customer has, uh, you know, more control over sharing their data. Um, that, that I could see being the first thing that we integrate. Um, and then down the road, uh, Bloom IQ and, and Bloom Score, especially as we start to look at international market expansion, could be really important as well. Cool. And then there's also one that you didn't mention that we also want to participate in is the Bloom Marketplace. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, off, like providing a really easy way for for people for Bloom ID users to actually find out about BlockFi, access access uh, loans, um, you know, and and actually hope hopefully borrow from from BlockFi against their assets, their crypto assets. That's right. We want to be a participant on that side of uh, of Bloom's protocol as well. Terrific. Um, assuming I, I know Alan is is you know busily working on on the documentation. Uh, I've got some really cool stuff to show off today in our community in terms of the Whisper protocol actually being like used right now, which is great. Um, assuming we actually had you know, the docs for, let's say, Bloom ID uh, ready for you next Monday, what would the timeline be on on actually integrating um, that first part into the BlockFi um, system? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I'm not a um, not a developer. <laughs> So I think my tech team would be pretty upset with me if I committed to anything without them actually being able to look at sure, it. Sure. Uh, you know, that being said, it's something we're really interested in. So um, to the extent that uh, to the extent that it's you know a, a type of integration similar to ones that we do all the time, RESTful or JSON APIs or or something similar, we can we can knock those out pretty quickly. But and, and then it will just be you know questions from from Flory's end. 
uh, in terms of does this, um, you know, pass the same type of, uh, you know, regulatory and compliance checks that we have from our existing providers on the um, identity verification and KYC AML uh, right. types of workflows, um, et cetera. Yeah, well, I, know, I know that's definitely a, a key part of where we see it being used for, for KYC, especially. I'm a form, former financial advisor, so I know what that's all about. And uh, and yeah, there are obviously strict regulations around knowing who your customer actually is. <laughs> so that's fair. Um, okay, well, uh, I've, I'm all out of questions. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you'd really like to impart upon the folks who are watching? Yeah, I would say the one thing that we didn't mention um, about something that I'm really proud about our platform is that um, our entire process, we say it takes 24 hours, we've done it in as short as two. Um, and I think that just goes back to like our focus on underwriting and creating a great customer experience. Um, and I definitely see a place down the road where once Bloom is live, um, it can help speed up that process. That's great. Yeah, two hours is incredibly impressive uh, for for any any sort of loan that's not like an instant in store credit, you know, type thing. And that's from application to funding. So that's like in your bank account. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, good for you. I mean, twenty four hours is is probably good enough for most people, uh, if not everybody. But two hours is incredibly impressive. But, don't expect that every single time <laughs> for anybody watching, but two hours is incredibly impressive. And, and I think it really shows where, where if you do have a mindset for innovating and figuring out ways to actually improve processes and, and make them faster, it can be done. So don't, don't let a big bank tell you otherwise. Exactly. All right. Well, Flory, Zach, thank you so much for your time today. We've kept it right under half an hour, which I think is, is ideal for uh, anybody watching and listening. And, uh, you know, if anything ever comes up, if you if you have more questions for Flory and Zach, I'll have links in the description for how you can, yeah, how you can find out more about BlockFi and how you, you can engage with them. And uh, otherwise, thank you so much for, for watching. And Zach and Flory, thanks again for your time. Thanks, Derek. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Bye.